Well, I'm going to be honest with you. God has changed my sermon three times. I'm not going to blame Him for that. Obviously, I didn't hear Him the first time. And He had to change it around to get me to obey Him. Amen? Oh, we're going to obey God tonight. Oh. Last man I know hiding in the bush. Why'd you take away the live one and give me the dead one? Oh, he told you to. You do know if anything goes wrong, it's the sound man's fault. Isn't it? Always. If it squeals, it's his fault. If it goes... It's not the fault of the guy that walked in front of the monitor. It's his fault. He ought to knew that was coming if he was praying just right. All right, who said it? Yeah. I was putting it on. He said, I don't know why you're doing that. Turn with me to, what just happened? I'm finding money. I like this church even more. Just laying money. Anybody else plan on laying? You plan on laying any money on the chair? I'm going to hang around you if you are, brother. I promise you. I didn't ask for an offering, but I ain't going to turn it down either. Glory to God. <laughs> turn with me to the Song of Solomon. Yes, Lord. You love the Lord? Shout yes. yes. I'm going to try to preach tonight. Your pastor aggravated me today. And told me he didn't know what he is paying me for because I ain't preached tonight since I've been in this revival. Y'all got to understand this. Don't get mad at mine and his going back and forth. We go back a long, long ways. And we were roommates, and I do have stories. And I'm like the inquirer. If you're willing to pay enough, I'm willing to say enough. Amen. <laughs> Just don't let that go the other way. Don't pay him to get stories on me. Amen. Oh, man, it has been a joy and an honor to be with y'all. I hope, I, I hope that this um, is not, I hope it's been as good for y'all as it really has been for me because it, it has been an awesome, awesome time for, for me. And um, I've had a good time. I am praising God. Is the pool ready tonight? I am praising God for 61 people in two nights getting baptized. Oh, now that's good if like six people got baptized, but I said 61 people. People ask me all the time, say, and I don't know why all the time, but they say, why, what, what's so important about that? Well, there's a national statistic out that people who just get saved, and I don't mean just get saved, don't tweet me, don't email me about, well, it ain't just get saved. I'm talking about that they get saved only in an altar. Only about 15% of those carry that to the grave. Boy, y'all got quiet just then. But those who get baptized, follow the Lord in water baptism, that number triples. 
So it's important that we follow the Lord for a few reasons. It's not, and God has messed me up. I'm telling you, he has messed up my theology about the water baptism. I, I, you've seen it. I, you've, so, some of you have heard me talk about I, I believe, and, and I didn't believe this, I told you on Sunday night, until that little eight-year-old girl came up and said, when I said, what are you doing in this pool? She said, well, I understand it better. That it is the death, burial, and resurrection of my life. And I want to bury asthma in this pool. And I told you Sunday night, she buried asthma in that pool. She's been completely released by every doctor, every, every professional. By law, they have to check her every six months. But she is asthma free. She doesn't use an inhaler. She doesn't use breathing treatments. Absolutely nothing. And I'm going to tell you something. I am a classical Pentecostal. What that means is I, I've been in the church of God for, for 51 years and I believe in it. And I went to school. I went to Lee. I went to the seminary. And, and I got a master's degree. But I'm telling you, that messed me up because I always looked at baptism as just something we done. You know, we do it once a year. We do it twice a year. We do it whenever the preacher decides to fill the tub up and the heater's working right. Right? And, and, and it's just, but I learned right then, you can, you can bury stuff in that water. Just, I'm telling you, you can bury. See, Jesus, believe it or not, now I know I'm going to get you, but Jesus buried death in that tomb. Now, we will die a physical death, but we're gonna, you're going to live forever. I don't care if you're saved or not saved. That's the, that's the fallacy of unsaved people. They, they have this idea. No, no, even if you don't know Jesus, you are still going to live forever. Where you live is up to you, not God. He's made a clarion call to all of us, but it is up to you where you spend eternity. But trust me when... You, you may die a physical death, but you will forever live throughout eternity. Somebody shout amen. amen. I got to preach. I got to preach. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 12. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Ah, it is so difficult when you feel the anointing like this. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 12. It says, while the king sitteth at his table... My spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. Very simple passage of scripture. Don't make good sense though, does it? It says, while the king, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. While the king is sitting at his table, I'm going to, can I put it in the SKV and not add to or take away just to explain it a little bit? While the king is sitting down eating his supper, I'm going to allow my perfume to do its job. Now see, when you begin to read the Song of Solomon, you've got to understand a couple of things about the book we are talking about. Number one, the Song of Solomon is written um, in a literature style called prose, P-R-O-S-E. That literally means that it's not written in chronological order. I told you some of this last night. It's not written in chronological order, and if you try to read it in chronological order, you're going to be confused a lot of the time. One time she's saying, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips, and next time she's talking about Solomon riding in his chariot and the next time let him speak to me through the lattice. Y'all know what lattice is here in East Tennessee, don't you? That's the stuff you put up under your, 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 your um, porches to hide all your junk. 
Oh, come on, it's all right if you laugh in the house of God. You, and, she, and, and it's just bouncing, and that's just the first few verses of the first chapter, let alone getting all the way through the rest of it. Uh, and, and you have to understand, because if you read it in chronological order, and many people try to, they say that chapters 1, 2, and 3 are before the marriage. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are the marriage ceremony, and chapters 7 and 8 are after marriage. Now, I sort of understand that. I've been married 21 years to my lovely wife who is probably more anointed, not probably, she is more anointed than me, can out-preach me, she's more saved than me. I call her, her name's Tyra King now, and I call her Tyra Holy Ghost King because she is the fourth person of the Trinity. She just added herself to it because she keeps me out of a lot of trouble. All the men in here said, amen. If you don't, just elbow him real hard like my wife does me or kick him real hard and he'll get back in line, I promise you. I understand what they're saying. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. I understand what they're saying because having been married 21 years, I understand that it took three chapters for me to date her. It took me three chapters to get married, but it's only taken me two chapters to tell you what to do after I got married. Shut up, sit down, she's always right. Sit down, shut up, she's always right. Shut up, sit down, she's always right. It don't take much, amen. She's been right since we got married and even before, and I'm just the wrong one, amen. I, but, I, but if you read it like that, you're going to be messed up because, see, the Bible does thing every, everything in order. Are you with me tonight? So that means that if you break it down to chapters 1, 2, and 3, and I'm going to get real plain here, but I won't go too far, so don't tense up. Is that all right? Because we have to understand that the Song of Solomon is a love story. It is about a woman who met a man, and they fell in love, and they got married. That's the whole story. But if you break it down in chapters 1, 2, and 3 as before marriage, you got a problem with chapter 3 because if it's before marriage, what is she doing looking for him her, him in the bedroom chamber? That don't work. And so it sort of just moves around throughout the whole 8 chapters of the Song of Solomon. I want to sort of pinpoint. I preached a 6 week revival one time for a friend of mine named Tim Kearns and 5 of those weeks, 25 nights, I preached on the Song of Solomon. I preached on the Song of Solomon so much that my mama called called me and said, son, you know that there's 65 more books of the Bible you can preach out of, don't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm going to preach in another book tonight. And I got up that night and said, if you will, turn with me to the Song of Solomon. And my mom just gasped right in the back of the building so loudly the whole church just turned around and looked at her. The next day she called me and she said, I thought you were going to preach out of something different. I said, obviously the first few nights didn't get you saved. Hurry up and get saved and then I can move. And I'm just kidding. Y'all laugh. It's okay. And so we got to understand what I'm talking about is this, this, this story about this man and this woman. This man by the name of Solomon. This woman who is as far as we know nameless. One day I, I, when I'm in heaven, I want to pick up on all of the nameless people in the Bible. I want to pick up on the prophet that spoke to Gideon. We don't know his name. He's the no-name prophet if you read my book. I want to talk to that widow woman who you don't know her name, you just know what happened. And I want to pick up on this young lady because, man, I learned a lot from this young lady. Because, see, when, when I grew up in church, we had a lot of rules. And I'm not saying that rules are bad. We need rules. We need standards. But I grew up in a church where everything was wrong until the person who thought it was wrong son started doing it. And then it wasn't wrong no more. Yeah. 
We had a lady in our church, she told everybody, if you ever get a divorce, you're going to hell, there ain't nothing you can do about it until her son went through three, and then apparently a divorce is okay. What I'm trying to understand and get you to understand is this, this book enticed me a little bit. It entices me because of its power. It entices me because of its storyline. You know, Disney thought that they got this love story many, many years ago, but they didn't. It was right there in the Bible all along. If you do a study of the Song of Solomon, you'll learn a few things. Number one, Solomon was a king. He was the wisest man that we know within the Bible except for Jesus himself. The Bible calls for him to be wise. In fact, when he was asked to ask anything, he said, I want wisdom. He, he wanted to be smart and he was one wise king, but he liked this and had this very great flaw that he got from his daddy and that was that he always wanted love not just any love true love and when you're in a place of power you got to be real careful because people fall in love with you for your power they'll fall in love with you for your anointing they'll fall in love with you for your money they'll fall in love with you for all these things but it's hard to find somebody to fall in love with you because of who you are now when I tell you this story I want you to look to it or look at it through the lens of the cross. Will you do that for me? And so when you begin to understand this, you study out Solomon and the historical background with it, you'll find out that Solomon longed to have love. That's what caused him to have so many wives. It wasn't that he was trying to be promiscuous. It was he was trying to find true love. And the only way somebody in his position can find true love is to sort of disguise himself until he finds out that that person loves them for who he is and not what he is. Oh, come on, somebody. And so what he'd done was he would sneak out at night and he would put on the robe of common man. Ah, oh, I feel like preaching this now. He'd put on the robe of a common man and he'd go to another town where nobody would hardly even recognize him. And there he would begin to search out for somebody. And this young lady catches his eye. And it's amazing to me who catches his eye because it wasn't somebody that was just sitting there doing something that, that, that was clean and was 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 admirable, but she was in a garden. She was in a garden. She had dirt. How many of you ever had a garden? You can't stay clean and work a garden. You're going to have and dirt all over you in your hair up in your fingernails and see this is a man who had who had women who were the daughters of Jerusalem that were trained to be his wife they they knew how to put the book on their head and walk in high heels and not even drop the book I tried that one night while I was preaching this didn't go too good it fell off my head and hit the person in the front row And he found this young lady, but he fell in love with her. He, there was something about her that was different, and she, in turn, fell in love with him. And they had this great, just purest type of love. And then, as it would, his mind, his thoughts began to get the best of him. He began to wonder, and you can study all this out, he began to wonder, wonder if somebody told her who I really am. Wonder if somebody got to her and said, do you really know who that is that's courting you? Do you have you heard? Do you know that Solomon? How do you not recognize it? And so he decides to put her to the test. And so what he does is he tells her, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back for you. And he said, I'm going to leave because 
he, he didn't want to leave her, but he wanted to see if somebody else could draw her affection away from him. And so he did just that. He did just that, but she stayed faithful and she stayed true. And then when she saw his chariot coming, are you listening to me? It, she said, well, I noticed that that is the chariot of Solomon, but she didn't really know what Solomon looked like. They didn't have CNN and Fox News back then. You know, it was hard to understand. So she saw the chariot of the king, um, but it wasn't until he spoke that her mind was alerted. And she said, hold up now. I might not recognize you, but I know your voice. Ah, that's why Jesus would say, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not hearken unto. During this time of courtship, let me just stop right there and go back to my sermon. I'm going to preach it all in one night and I'm going to try not to. But during this courtship, she says a couple of things. The number one thing she says is she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips. Now before all the young people start going, ew, that's gross. Let me teach you something about the Bible. It wasn't about the kiss. What she was saying is, I want to have that kind of relationship with him where the intimacy is there. Where I know him and he knows me where we can finish each other's sentences and we know what each other's thinking what are you trying to tell me if you haven't caught on already I'm trying to tell you about a love affair between a man and the woman who would now become his bride I'm talking about the relationship between Jesus and the church are you listening to me because he came and he put on the robe of a common man but then he left us and he tried to the devil has tried to woo us away but for those of us who will remain faithful. Are you listening to me? He is coming back, but this time he's coming back in a chariot that is going to be carried by horses, and he's coming back as the one true living king. Now somebody give him praise. Yeah. And see, if you're interested in the chariot, you're going to miss the kiss because you're going to miss the intimacy. I told you last night, if you're serving him for heaven, I feel like you've already missed it. I don't serve God for heaven. I'm not serving him for a mansion. I'm serving him because I've fallen in love with the king and I love him and he loves me. We used to sing a song, Jesus loves me, this I know. I changed it. You know what I changed it to? Jesus knows me, this I love. Think about that a minute. I'm more in love with the fact that I know him and he knows me than I will be in the fact that he loved me first. I thank God that he loved me first because had he not, I'd be a hopeless case. But I come by to tell you, I don't serve him because of what he's going to give me. I don't tithe because I get a blessing on the backside. I don't give because I, I reap what I sow. I give because I love him. I tithe because I love him. I go to church because I love him. I don't go to church because of all the stuff they can do for me. He's already done enough. She said, let him kiss me 
with the kisses of his lips. She wasn't talking about being nasty. She was talking about being intimate. That's what we've lost in the body of Christ. We want to know him from a distance. We've fallen more in love with the house than the God of the house. And if you want a sermon on that, go look at Bethel and El Bethel. Jacob went by the rock one time and called the place Bethel. You know what Bethel means? means the house of God. But when he went to Bethel and had to work for his bride, not seven but 14 years, he came back to the exact same place. And he said, now I call the place El Bethel. You know why? Because Bethel means the house of God. El Bethel means the God of the house. He said, I've been through something now and I know him. That's why Paul said, I want to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. We want a cute gospel. Y'all ask for it. We want a cute gospel where you ain't got to go through nothing. Just roll it over on Jesus. Just roll it over on Jesus. I did, but still had to go through some hell. If I ever get invited back, I'll preach on the power of storms. Jesus said, peace I give unto you, not the peace that the world gives, but my peace. There's a difference. See, you, you caught up in world peace. Can I just say this and give a little tidbit so you don't have to ask me back? World peace is just an absence of conflict. When they said there's peace in the Middle East, that don't mean they're getting along. That just means they ain't killing one another. When I tell you there's peace in my home, that just means she ain't slinging silverware at my head. I'm just kidding, baby, if you're watching. Jesus said, I'm not giving you that kind of peace because I'm not looking for you to have peace Without or, or life without conflict. He said, my peace I give you. I said, what in the world is your peace? He said, my peace is when you have peace right in the middle of conflict. Because when you got the peace of God, you don't have to pray the storm will stop. Because when you are with God, you fall asleep in the middle of the storm. You walk on water in the middle of the storm. You got power in the middle of the storm. You're not afraid of the storm. I saw a meme one day. It said, the devil said, you will never make it through the storm. And God said, I am the storm. I saw one one day. It said, I threw the towel in and gave up. God threw it back and said, wipe your face. You're almost done. What's that teach me? You can have peace in the middle of the storm, and sometimes you give up too soon. She said, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips. You know what she said? She said, for his kisses are better than wine. I'm going to tell you something. This is a little Pentecostal, so if you're not, welcome to my show. Intimacy. You better hear me. Intimacy with God will bring a drunk style effect. I'm sorry. If you disagree, I'm sorry. You'll get lost. Before I got saved, I was a bartender. So I saw all kinds of drunks. Two things I never heard. Turn the music down. We get that when we get saved. I wish you'd take that back to the bar. And you've, you've never heard 
somebody who really enjoys that lifestyle say, boy, I hope I don't spend too much time in here. No, they're going to lock the place down. I have heard them come in and go, I'm standing the last call. You don't have to call me, dar- oh, sorry. Some of y'all look just now. You know that's the last call song. Everybody, I can tell. Oh, you went down. Lord, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. Man, I dropped. Did you drop something, sir? She said, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips, for his kisses are greater than wine. When you get in a true relationship with God, time won't matter. Sorry. You won't come to church thinking, i got to hurry up and get out of here. i got plans. Wake up. Because when you get there, see, when I first started dating Tyra, I was already on the road full time. And I met her in a revival. Boy, that's a story. Woo! She walked in. I said, hey, hey, you don't have to come. I reverted back to my own. Sorry, I'm just kidding. What I really said, I looked at the pastor and I said, man, a pretty girl done showed up to my revival. Hope she ain't married. And then I prayed. Boy, I'm running spirit. Done hit him. Boy, woo! Glory to God, brother. I about took off with you. And then I said, God, if she's the one, when I pray for her, I want her to shake for three days like I did when Steve Hill prayed for me. I prayed for her. She slapped, hit the floor, rolled under the pew, and shook for three days. I knew then that's over. I was done. I was off the market. Sold. And if y'all take one look at her, you know I outrun my punk coverage too. Hallelujah, brother. Amen. So she said, let him kiss me with the kisses of the lips. I want you to hear, when you get that way with God and you get right there in his face, time doesn't matter. What he does won't matter. When I was dating Tyra, I would drive an hour and a half, preach a revival, and drive another hour and a half out of my way. I mean, out of my way which means I'm three hours away from home. An hour and a half there, hour and a half way out. Just so I can say, I love you, good night, and get back in my car and drive all the way home. I don't know what happens. I'd stay on the phone all night with her. Now she calls me after I go to bed. I'm like, what do you want, baby? I'm in bed. What am I trying to say? When you are in that relationship, it won't matter. When you are with him, it won't matter. i got to move on. Next thing she says is she says, let him bring me into his chamber. Now, she's not talking about the bedroom chamber. Let me, let me, let me give you some, some historical fact here. What she was talking about is a, a dining room. Because this is what happens. i got to hurry up. This is what happens. When Solomon would find a new love interest, he would have to bring her in and introduce her to all the other wives. Ladies, I, it, it's, 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 a, it's, a, you know, it's a Mideastern thing. It was, I, I'm just telling you, this is what he would do. He fell in love with this young lady, so now he's got to bring her in to the chamber, the dining room, and that's where he introduces 
heard to everybody. Now you got to understand, everybody that's in that room up until this point were what they call the daughters of Jerusalem. You know what that means? That, that's a real cool title for young women who were groomed from a very young age to marry the king. They, they, they've never worked in a garden. Okay, are you listening to me? They went to debutante school. They went to finishing schools. They, they were trained from a very young age all the way up to marry the king. They knew which fork to use for the salad entree. Are you listening to me? Are you with me? You haven't fallen asleep yet, have you? And so they knew what was going on. But here he comes in with this lady who he found in a garden. And he opens up the door and there she stands. And the first thing she says to all of them, and, and you've got to read sort of between the lines, not adding to or taking away from Scripture, but you've got to read between the lines because the first thing out of her mouth is she said, don't look at me because I'm darker than you. What she was saying is, don't look at me because I don't look like you. Oh, I wish the church would get a hold of this. Because in this story, that chamber is a place like the church. Are you listening to me? This is where God brings people that he saves. This is where God brings people that he chooses. And they're not always a moshe. They're not always going to look like we do. They're not always going to be able to clap on beat and know the words to the songs. Some of them are going to be darkened. Some of them have been through hell. But don't you ever forget, they have come in here the same way you have. The king has invited them into this house. She said, don't judge me because I didn't grow up in it. Don't judge me because my brothers hated me and made me work not only my garden, but theirs also. Don't judge me because my mom and daddy didn't train me upright. Don't judge me because I didn't meet him as early in life as you did. I didn't have what you had. I wasn't as privileged as you were. I don't know what you know, but I want you to know this one thing. He loved me enough to bring me in here. Now you have to just deal with what I am. See, when revival hits, you can't judge what he brings in the door. And a church that's more interested in getting our kind will never have revival. Because when he starts moving, he saves them from the utmost to the guttermost. He'll bring them from the outhouse to the white house. Glory, hallelujah. He'll go into the highways and byways and save anybody that'll listen. And when they come in, we can't, you, do you hear it? Listen, when she walks in the door, watch this. When she walks in the door of that chamber and the door shuts, what would cause her to say, don't look at me that way? It was that everybody is looking at her and you can hear you can hear the whispers. I wonder where he got her. She don't even look like us. Look at them nails. And look how she walks. Look at her. How dare him. This is what the church says. How dare him bring that She's going to bring us all down. They're going to talk about us all over town when they find out she's in here. 
Somebody say preach. Thank you. But when God starts moving, when God starts saving, you got to be okay with whatever he brings in and know if you didn't mess it up when you walked in, ain't nobody got a chance of messing it up. Because I know you think you were all that in a bag of chips, baby, but all have sinned and come short of the glory. We all look just like her, just not on the outside. Because our mamas and daddies taught us how to dress up for church and how to wear the right thing. And you ought not wear this and look like that. But some people don't have that training. They are coming in here because he loved them so much. Woo! And then she said it. Ah! I loved what she said. She said in that chamber, I'm going to let my perfume do its work. (laughs) Yes, Lord. I'm not going to worry about what you think or what you think. See, you got to understand what was about to happen. When I was a kid, and I would do something wrong, like smoke a cigarette or something, I knew, because Paul taught me, that green polo will cover a multitude of sins. Well, I just said green polo, and half of y'all just went to the 80s, just bam, just like that. Sometimes before I'd leave for a high school football game when I was a junior and a senior, I'd come out the bathroom, go walking out, and my mom would say, my Lord, son, did you take a bath in it? <laughs> Apparently I put a little too much foo-foo on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, what's real funny is my mama didn't know I'd put too much foo-foo on as long as I was in my room. Because perfume doesn't work Go, go in that room right there. In my bag, in the front zipper, is a bottle of cologne. Grab it fast, quick, and in a hurry, please. <clears throat> what I had to learn is perfume don't work from a distance. Like, I can spray some cologne on right here. Y'all ain't going to smell it over there. Ain't going to work. Now, I got to get close for my perfume to work. Lord, I shouldn't have sent them to after that, huh? <laughs> All right, everybody make a mental note. If you go into an escape room, don't take them to. You're going to be in. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I've been joning on you all the whole time. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, watch this. Hi. Right. You ain't allergic to smells, are you? All right, cool down. Watch this. 
Because you got to get this. Am I boring anybody yet? This is important. This is, the, this is, this is it. You hear me? This, this is the end. This is all I got. Smell that? No, that smells good. You smell that? I, now see, I'm, I'm telling you something. Watch this. According to Jewish law, they are not married yet. And according to Jewish law, the way that they would sit everybody is the king would sit at the head of the table his first wife would sit at his right hand boom now here's the thing because i know the theologians are going well they didn't sit in the same room they didn't except for maybe once or twice a year when he would introduce another wife so before you start saying well women didn't eat with the men they did at this moment his second wife would sit first chair, third wife, second chair to his right, fourth wife, fourth chair, second chair on his left, fourth chair out. Do you know where that puts her who is not yet married to him? Now here I have a problem. Because I've gotten ready, and I put on my cologne, and it can't work from here. And the biggest obstacle between me and him is all the people talking about me. Because, see, when I came down the aisle, I grew up in church. But I was an alcoholic drunk. I was drinking a fifth of vodka every day of my life. I was miserable and I was running the sound system because a preacher saw something in me. And he caught hell. Excuse my French if that bothers you, but he caught it because I was up there. I can't believe you'd let a drunker run the sound equipment. But what, he, what they didn't understand is they, he asked me, he befriended me. I used to go play golf with the pastor and drank a case of beer while playing golf. And he never judged me. He just loved me. He'd done that a few times and then all of a sudden because, see, when you don't understand somebody's motives, you'll judge them. And they judged him for playing golf with the drunk whose mom and daddy were better than that. But one day he said, I heard you know how to run sound system. And I said, oh, I do. That might have been the Miller Lite talking, but I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, I need a sound man. I said, yeah, I'm your man. And that definitely was the Miller Lite talking. Because I didn't think, how often does the sound man have to be at church? 
I had to show up to every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every revival, every funeral, every wedding, every practice, everything they'd done, I was having to be in that church. November 17th, Clemson played Carolina. We won and I got lit November 17th into November 18th, 1990. And that morning I decided I was throwing in the towel. But that preacher called and said, are you going to come run sound for me? And I said, I just got home, but I'll be there. November 18th, 1990, I sat in that balcony running that sound. I smelt like a brewery. I hadn't even had a shower. And I can't tell you what he preached that day. I wish I could. But at the end, he said, there's a young man here and you're running from God and it's time to come home. And I hit about two steps coming out of that balcony. And why I'm telling you this story is because I heard a little old lady and God bless her soul, I know she meant well, but on my way down, she said, well, that'll never last. At her funeral, I sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Why? Because it did stick. And I didn't look. My mom and daddy went to church every time the doors would open. They made me go to church till I got so old they couldn't handle it no more. And I didn't look the part. I'm loud. I'm ADD. I jump up in chairs. I got more whippings for getting in the chairs in children's church. But right before my mama died, every time I'd get up in the chairs and preach the gospel, she'd be the first one to stand up and say, Go, boy, go! And in the grand scheme of things, I got at the back of the table. Because I didn't look like everybody. I didn't come here like everybody else came here. But I still had praise. Now, see, I just threw a curveball at you because you didn't get it. Because if you'd have got it, you'd have been shouting. Because the Bible says that my praise is a sweet-smelling perfume in the nostrils of God. The problem is, is some of you got perfume, but you're still standing too far away from him. But not her. She didn't let what they said get on to her. In fact, I don't know how it went down. You don't know how it went down. So this is my rendition of what went down that day. If we get to heaven and I'm wrong, I'll be the first to come to you and tell you I was wrong. But I have a sneaky feeling this is sort of how it went down. I think she was sitting there looking at the king down there at the other end of that table thinking, this ain't going to work. Because see, in chapter 3, we're given, I told you last night, insight to her. And I'm closing, I promise you. I'm trying to land this plane. I'm trying to, but listen to me. She, she, we're given an insight because she says all night long I looked on my bed and I cannot find him right and she says I'm going to get up and go get him because I don't care about all this so with that backdrop I know she ain't in this for all these ladies she ain't interested in being the status quo she ain't interested in measuring up to all them church folk so I have a sneaky feeling she stood up and grabbed her chair and said hey how you doing you just keep on talking about me it'll be alright hey how you doing well I like your earrings you wear them well but you just keep on talking about me hey how 
you doing? Glory to God. I love you. I love you. Because see, when you're in love with the king, you can love everybody else because it doesn't matter what they do. You didn't come here for them in the first place. I know you're talking about double shade. I know you're talking about me. I know you got something to say, but I did not come here for you. I come here for the king. Just keep on talking about me. While you're talking, I'm moving on up. I might not be George Jefferson, baby, but I am moving on up to the big time. Let me tell you something, honey. Quit worrying about what they're saying about you. You get up in his face and you give him praise anyway. praise on my lips and I got to get close enough for him to smell it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to learn to praise yourself. When this young man says praise God, he ain't doing it to stroke his ego. He's doing it because he knows your praise will break every chain. I'm not going to preach past the anointing, but let me tell you this last thing before they start playing. Go home and read 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The children of Moab have come up against the people of God. And this is very strange because see, when they were in battle against Moab, Jehoshaphat asked, said, God, can I just wipe them out? That's SKV. He said, let me just wipe them out. That'll shut them up forever. And God said, no, don't wipe them out. And now several years later, they've risen up against them again. And so Jehoshaphat has a little issue. It's okay. It's all right. Your issues don't bother God. Are you with me? Your problems don't scare him. And so what he says is he says, God, if you would have just let me wipe him out back in the day, we wouldn't be going through this. And God says, no, you don't understand. I'm about to teach you something. Second Chronicles chapter thir- uh, 20, verse 13. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, just go on through. It says, and when Judah. Do y'all know what Judah means? What? Praise. It says, when Judah stood up. Watch this. With all of their wives. And all of their children, before the face of God, God spoke. Let me give you the SKV. You ready? I praise stands up with my wife and with my kids in the face of God. Then God speaks. And you know what God says? (laughs) I love it. And I love the fact that he said, I want you to go down and I want you to get in front of them. But you're not going to have to fight them. I'm going to bring I'm going to bring you to the battle but I'm not going to make you fight. Because of your praise 
standing up, you will be at a ringside seat to the battle, but you won't have to fight. For I, the Lord your God, will fight the battle for you. This last thing I'm going to say. One of the reasons we lose in battle. Now I know all the theologians, we don't ever lose, bless God. You ain't fought long enough. We might not lose the war, but I have lost a couple of battles. 2006, January 2006, I lost a battle. And my son Judah died. October 2008. I almost lost another battle when my son Cole was born a micro preemie, one pound nine ounces, spent five and a half months in NICU. In February 2009, I lost another battle because Cole passed away for three and a half minutes. And I got so angry with God, I beat the floor in that Ronald McDonald house. So I tell everybody, when you go through Ronald McDonald, when you go through McDonald's, throw some money in the Ronald McDonald house because I stayed there for five and a half months for free. They didn't charge me a dime. But I left blood in that carpet because I beat my hands on that carpet so hard. I was so angry. And I sat on the end of that bed at the Ronald McDonald house and I felt something. I can't tell you it wasn't, it wasn't physically seen, but I felt it. And I heard the Lord say up until this moment, he's been a textbook premature baby. They've been able to pinpoint everything he's going to do. But from this day forward, he's no longer a textbook. He's mine. Cole now is almost 11 years old. And he loves God. I lost a battle when he died, but I'm winning the war. So anybody that tells you you don't ever lose a battle, they ain't lived it long enough. I'm sorry to tell you, sometimes I lose. But what I have learned is the reason I lose is because I fight it and I don't let him fight it. I don't know if y'all know the song. I'm not even telling you to do the song. Please don't do it because then you'll be trying to learn it. But there's a song out there, and y'all probably do it. Y'all pretty hip. That says, this is how I fight my battles. And I learned something. I learned something. Listen to me. And I'm not trying to sell no more books. I ain't got no more books to sell. But in my book, I talk about spiritual warfare. And I talk about the only two weapons you're truly given isn't a... Oh, boy, I'm going to mess myself up. You don't want me to say that, do you? All right, here he goes. He said, go ahead. I fought with a sword I thought was mine. And so I went through the house waving my Bible. Wow, glory to God! I didn't say it wasn't a sword. But the Bible says that it is the sword of of is a preposition starting a prepositional phrase even in the Greek showing ownership. And I found out the Bible was more about correcting me than it was defeating the devil. And I think that's where we've gotten spiritual warfare wrong. We've tried to use the Bible against the devil. Let me just go ahead and clue you into something. The devil is bound by the Word of God, whether you ever quote it, whether you ever... See, quoting Scripture doesn't do anything to the devil, and it don't do nothing for God. It should correct you. 
I knew I lost some Holy Ghost people right then. Because everybody loves to have a sword and go running around fighting and swinging and slinging and doing all of that stuff. Let the Word work on you. And when you line up with the Word of God, He'll fight every battle for you. You won't ever have to fight another time. In fact, look at Scripture. Look at Scripture. There's only one fight. The Bible says fight. Please let me come back and preach this. Please let me come back and preach this. There's only one fight. You know what is? The good fight of faith. You know where it's fought? In your mind. That's why Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. The breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Then it says the Word of God is sharper. I didn't say it wasn't a sword. Don't go out of here and quote me wrong. For the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder. Watch this. Dividing asunder bone and marrow, soul and spirit. You know what bone and marrow, soul and spirit are? Me. Not the devil. The devil ain't never had bones. So what the Word of God was meant to do, can I borrow it? What the Word of God was meant to do wasn't for me to slice and dice the devil, but for the Holy Spirit to use it to, I don't like that part in my brother. To cut it out of me. Because God knows when I am in line with this, He'll defeat the devil every time. That's why. Think about it. Think about it. Do you really, do you really, do you really think David killed a big old giant with just one stone? Yeah, that one stone, it hit him. I can feel people going, what? I'm not a heretic. But if you think for a minute that the Holy Ghost wasn't in that rock, That giant was bigger than all of us. Let me hit you in the head with the rock. It might knock you out. But it's hard to kill a giant with one rock without the Holy Ghost. Are y'all listening to me? Do you really think three Hebrew children can go into a fire and not burn up because they all there in a bag of chips? No! That's because the fourth man was in that fire, the Holy Ghost! That's what kept the fire off of them. Do you think a man who was fully God and fully man, though, also can go to a cross and die? Yes, he can with the Holy Ghost. This is all about him. And what she was saying was, I got to get close to him. I don't know if it happened this way, but I have a feeling she pulled her chair right up there and was like, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I don't fight them with a sword. I fight them with my praise. This is how I fight my battles. Because it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Woo! Woo! 
You've been fighting the same old battles that I'd be doggone if I would sit in the chair when worship is taking place. I'd be the first one up here and if anybody says, why are you worshiping? Because I'm tired of going around this same old mountain. And when you get tired enough, you'll release a shout. If you don't believe me, ask the children of Israel. Six times around them walls, but on that seventh time, woo, seven times on that seventh day, lift up a shout. Now, if you're in this room, stand to your feet. I gotta hurry. I've been saying that all night and I ain't been in a hurry the whole time, have I? Now you know why I don't preach often. I'm long-winded. Here's what I want to ask you real quick. I want to pray. For you. Before we baptize anybody, and I don't even know who's getting baptized, but before we do, I want to pray for a specific, unique segment. I'll pray for anybody that comes, I promise you. No matter what you need, if you need to be healed, delivered, set free, spiritually rose from the dead, or something happens between now and the time we get done, and you need to be physically rose from Got you. Because I still believe. And I do pray for dead people. I don't do it out loud, but I do. People be thinking you're crazy. You start going in a funeral home praying for a bunch of people loud. If you're in this room, and you say, you know, preacher, this, this message has touched my heart. Then, it was for you. And God wants to seal that by the power of the Holy Spirit. But He can only do that if you move. And so tonight, if you're tired of going around the same old mountain, singing the same old song, getting the same old result, I just gave you a key to get out of that cycle. And it's through your praise. And I understand that's hard sometimes, so that's why you need to come and get prayer because I'm going to agree with you. There's no power in me. You hear me. Ain't a preacher in the world got power. It's God's. What I do have, as I told you last night, I've got the power of agreement. And the Bible says where any two agree, touching any one thing, they shall have whatsoever they ask. I'm going, to agree, I'm going to agree with you tonight. When you come to this altar, I'm going to agree with you. And I can promise you, because I know my Heavenly Father, He's going to do a work in your life. Is that fair? If you're here and this message has touched you in any way, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to meet me down here right now. Right now. Will you come? 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 Now, when I come and pray for you, I'm telling you, this ain't me hyping it up. When I begin to pray with you, I want you to understand two things. Number one, what you're feeling is not Scott King. Don't ever start looking at me and say, boy, he's powerful. I ain't got no power. 
I'm sorry. I'm anointed, but the power is God's. The anointing is God's. And, but when you, when I pray for you, you're going to feel something. When you feel that, you've got to let God have his way. Is that fair? But I don't want you because the devil will be like, the devil will be like, can I get this gentleman a seat? I want him to be able to just stay here till he feels he's full of something. Are you ready? Throw your hands up in this altar.
right, who's next? We're just getting started. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. Woo! some of you right now you're dressed to impress it's time to take it off not literally but spiritually and dunk yourself Woo! and let's wash let's wash some things away amen amen let's let go of some old things it's been too long it's been too long Come on. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
she said I want to bury asthma and, and self I wish I had more adults to say I wish I could bury self come on
Well, Lord, I'll come prepared tomorrow. But I want you to understand. There's much... Something better than a fleece is a word. If you're looking for a sign, you need a word from God, and this is your word. Right here, right now. Trust, obey, right here, right now. Don't wait another moment. You're tired of mediocrity. You're tired of living the old way. You're tired of just the old struggle. Right now, turn it over to Jesus. Right now, say, I want God more now. I'm Lonnie, and some of you know me, and some of you don't, but last night when I left here, I just felt like I was just wrestling with God and what it was all about, and I couldn't sleep all night. This morning when I woke, there was a pastor on the radio, and he was talking in Acts chapter 4, when they were talking about prayerfully shaking, and I just feel like this is all working together for me to understand that. I've been baptized twice in my life as a little boy, once as Lutheran, once as Methodist. But tonight, I'm going to be baptized with Jesus. And today, he said to me, I want you to meet me in the water. That's what I'm doing tonight. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight my battles.
church. I don't know if I can be baptized here. <laughs> don't let anything hinder you. I guarantee you. Dempsey, I guarantee you, if there's one of your members who need to be healing, you'd say, go right now. Get in the water. Don't wait.
was standing on the stairs here, the Lord spoke to me and told me that there's somebody in here that really needs this that's not coming up. And he said, tell you we're not leaving until you come up here. Somebody needs it. Come on up. And I just hear the Lord saying, you've already said, I'm not doing it. Woo! I am not doing it. It's time. Get in line. He didn't ask you. Woo! If you call him the Lord, get in line.
you guys heard the words, we're not leaving until you come up and get baptized. It's time. If you hear my voice and you know it's you, it's time. It's time. Come on. This is Jesus we're talking about. This is Jesus we're talking about. He is here. Even now. 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 He is here. Come on. something what God wants to do in you is greater than what is holding you back right now I guarantee if I told you I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars if you jump in this pool you jump right up you wouldn't care what you were wearing and you would get in the pool right now this is Jesus is Jesus worth more than a hundred dollars to you he is to me Time to get in. This is our fun, my battle. This is our fun, my battle. This is our fun, my battle. This is our fun, my battle.
hill when you came up. And the Lord said, no. He said, he brought you here for a reason and a purpose. And you tried to fight him coming here. And he says, I'm not letting you leave until you get in and come in this water. So you can make all of us stay here all night long. And I'm okay with that because the Lord has been on me all day. For just you, he's waiting for you to get into these waters. Because you are going to step in and you're breaking generational curses. You're breaking chains when you come in. You're breaking things for your kids when you come in that you see them dealing with right now. And you've cried your ears or your eyes out until your ears can't listen anymore to God. Because you just keep saying, why? And He keeps saying, I'm here. So listen to what He's saying and be obedient to what He's doing. And get in the waters about the waters it's God that is here more than what you got when you were standing up here so the choice is yours but he's not letting you leave those of you that are still here I want you to hear this if there are curses in your family if there are things that have come down through the generations that have stopped you from getting the full measure of God You can bring them up here and you can bury them. This is a symbol. What happens in your heart's what's important. It doesn't make any difference if you've been baptized before. It doesn't make any difference if you've never touched the water. If you haven't and you know Jesus, you need to be up here. But I'm telling you now that curses will be buried in this water tonight. Curses will be buried in the blood of Jesus tonight. Don't be afraid of it. Be obedient.
where you just, Lord, what am I supposed to do now? I know that King has a schedule. You heard his schedule yesterday when he named off all the places he's got to be. But what I feel like, the revival is not about Scott King. The revival's about us with a hunger for Jesus and an expectation to see God move. So what I want us to do is I want us to spend the rest of this week praying and I'd like to open this back up Sunday because I believe there's some people that God wants to bring Sunday that maybe can't come during the week because of work. And let's experience this Sunday. How many agree with me? Are you all right with that? We good? So Sunday, I'm going to have a couple of you testify what God did for you this week. What I want you to do, if, if some of you will, if you will just maybe email me or text me some of the things that God did for you this week so that we can start publicizing that so we how many understand that the Bible says we live by the word of our testimony the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony so I believe that this week as we begin to publish some of your testimonies that it's going to stir a hunger in others who want to experience what you've experienced and so that Sunday we're going to see more people experience deliverance, freedom. We're going to see people bearing some fears, some doubts, some, some anxieties. Come on, right? How many would believe that with me? How many would agree with me on that? Let's believe God. I'm believing for some Albrights. Robert? You've already got a quote-unquote good report, but I'm believing for a God report. I'm believing for some sons, too. Father, God, we thank you that you are the king of this house. And Lord, we will obey you, Lord, however you direct. Whatever you choose for us to do, Lord, may our ears be sensitive and may our hearts be wise enough to follow you, God.
as you direct every step of the righteous, I pray that we will follow your steps. And Lord, that we will continue to see the deliverance of God flowing through this place. That we'll continue to see curses broken. That we'll continue to see lives transformed. That we'll continue to see homes healed. Children being saved. Grandchildren coming back to Jesus. Addictions being broken off. Because you are God. And you've come to set the captives free. You've come to give beauty for ashes. You've come to set at liberty those who are in prison. And in the name of Jesus, we pray that the declaration of the kingdom of God will be in this house and that your name will be glorified in everything that is said and done because we're your children and we desire to follow you. We desire to glorify you. We, can, we desire to lift your name up in every action, in every word, in every movement, Father. Let it happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we declare it over this house. We declare it over this body. We declare it over churches right here in this town. We declare the kingdom of God rise and the enemies be scattered in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let it be so. Thank you, Jesus.
peace of God is here even now. Even now, it will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God, the peace of God is here even now. Even now, even now, it's like gentle waters. It's like a quiet stream. It's like gentle waters. It's like a quiet stream.
they sing and let me sing with them. Because <laughs> it's just really easy. And just sometimes I just step back, though, and let it be just the two. And I don't normally like a duet, but there's something about the two, especially when it comes up. You know? 